It is Tuesday, November 30th. This is Jaguars Happy Hour. And now, a guy he, he claims he'll never again put on a cat suit and jump from the lights. Never. J.P. Shedrick. <laughs> I promise. Uh, welcome in. It's Jaguars Happy Hour on this Tuesday afternoon. My name's J.P. Shadrick. We've got a busy couple hours ahead. We'll start off here on Jaguars Happy Hour with Jaguars analyst Jeff Logeman here in a few moments. We'll recap week 12, Falcons 21, Jaguars 14. We'll look ahead to the next week. That's week 13 on the schedule. The Jags and the L.A. Rams coming up at SoFi Stadium. And then the Urban Meyer Show on the Jaguars Radio Network at 5 o'clock. 5 o'clock. Head coach. Head coach Urban Meyer will join us, easy for me to say, and we will ask him about his name being rumored to some of these college coaching openings. Yes, we will. We'll see what he says. That's at 5 o'clock today on the network. Of course, the Jaguars lost to the Falcons last week to fall to 2-9. Falcons 21, Jaguars 14. Jags got to an early 14-0 deficit. It was 21-3 after the opening Falcons drive of the second half. Jags called act, called clawed back in the game within seven and had the ball with a couple minutes left but fell short. There were key special teams penalties. They were offside on a punt, leverage on a field goal, deflating for the defense. They had to come back uh, out on the field immediately a couple times. Urban Meyer Monday still working on finding what this offense is going to be. A lot of positive third downs was really good. I thought Trevor, someone asked me how Trevor played. I thought he competed his tail off, and I thought, uh, you know, third downs were excellent. We did a lot of tempo on third downs. We've got 18 snaps of, uh, you know, a little bit more what he's used to doing, going fast. And uh, the offense line did a nice job in those situations. We got first downs. So that was a part of it. Execution's part of it, but uh, I'm really pleased with that. That's why you sustain those long drives. We had a couple really long drives, too. Like two 14-play drives, if I remember. That's head coach Urban Meyer Monday, and we welcome in Jaguars analyst Jeff Logaman now. Good afternoon to you, Logs. Good afternoon, what JP. Uh, what did you think of the offense in general last week? All the, you know, the buzzword last week was creativity. How much creativity did you see? Well, I, I think the, the big change was they started to run a little bit more run-pass run option stuff. And uh, do I – think that that's highly creative I think it's different and I think anything that you can do that's different sometimes to generate a little bit of rhythm is a good thing my thoughts overall in summary is that you scored 14 points yes uh, that's not good enough no and until you can start to score enough points to be competitive then it's not good enough and so you have to just keep working I mean you, there's no other way to do it but then to find more ways or more creative ways to utilize your personnel, to find better personnel, to discover personnel, to get the current personnel to play better. I mean, that's the only things you can do. But the one thing that I can tell you, JP, is that mm -hmm. this football team needs to correct some controllable things in order for them, uh, for them to give themselves a chance. Plain and simple. And like, that's for example, offense, defense, and special teams. I got a list. Oh, boy. We've got two hours. I got a list. Might take that I long. I got a list, okay? Yes. And, and here's things that are controllable. Okay, you had a, 
an illegal formation on the interception yes. with Marvin Jones. And, I, and yeah. I don't care if the quarterback says that I, I wasn't sure if it was a free play or not. It certainly impacts your thinking, thinking that it, maybe it could be. And I thought that Trevor threw it up. Yeah, he said after the game that he did not. They were going to throw that anyway. He said okay. he wasn't sure, but then they were going to throw it anyway, and, and that's what he said. Regardless, two things happened there. One, either, first of all, you got a, a 10-year wide receiver that is lined up improperly covering up a tight end. That's not hard to figure out. I mean, that when you look down towards the ball as a wide receiver, you should see that there's a tight end, and he's lined up on the line of scrimmage, so I need to be off. That's that's fundamental football. Can't have a mistake there. What happens if you threw a touchdown there? Oh, it wouldn't have been a touchdown. Exactly. Yeah. It gets called back. That's right. And on a, a, a very easily controlled play that could have been prevented so that it wouldn't have been a penalty, okay? Mm-hmm. That's one. Uh, Laurenta McRae, all sides. Oh, bad. On a, on a fourth and three on your punt return, when the center – Raises his head. That's what they do. The center of the long snapper will raise his head up all the time. They will do things to try to get you off sides when it's less than five yards. That's awareness. Hold your water. That's and Lorente is a veteran now. Yeah. I mean, this is not a Seventh rookie. Year. Yeah, this is not a rookie mistake. There's no excuse for that. Uh, Roy Robertson Harris. Leveraging. Leverage. Yeah. You, you you can't commit a leverage. I mean, that's that's again, that goes back to fundamental football and that you know that that's a penalty. You can't do that. Uh, second and goal, when the Jaguars were driving and you have what appeared to be Jawan Taylor standing up and looking back towards the quarterback and, and at first people thought he was the only one that was not moving and then allows the pressure and Trevor has to throw it incomplete to Ogunbowale. Yes. Uh, and, and what Agumboale was doing on the field at that time, I mean, you can argue that a little bit because James Robinson certainly deserved to be on the field when you get to that critical juncture of the field. But that's not on Jawan. That's on the offense as a whole because, and, and I think, but I'm not positive, but it appeared that they were going on first sound. Okay, first sound is a quarterback gets up and he's looking around and he says, ready, and then as soon as he says that, the ball snapped. Well, he's trying to what appears to be change the play, and so he's like, easy. So you, you kind of do something without saying something sudden because mm. you don't want the ball to be snapped. Well, Linder snapped it, and everybody kind of was delayed starting because they uh-huh. all heard or saw Trevor, but Linder didn't. So is that Linder's fault? Is that Trevor's fault? I mean, that's an organizational thing that should be corrected, okay, and then should not happen it's at on, this stage it, of the game. It's on your list. Uh, you got the, uh, the the play towards the end of the half to where all you need is about five yards to get an opportunity at a at a you know 50, 51, 52 yard field goal mm-hmm. and Ben Barch gets beat uh, in a quick fashion by um, uh, Grady Jarrett, yeah. who's a really good football player and but the routes. The quarterback doesn't have any options because all the routes are 15 yards or more with the exception of a dump off and then a crossing tight end. But the crossing tight end doesn't even get his head back around until late. I mean, you got to have a better play call than that because, I mean, in, in that situation, you're trying to get five or six yards and maybe have a quick catch and then a short gain, line up and kick a field goal. You don't need 15 or 20 yards. Yeah, just run something. you got 10 seconds left on the clock before the half. Uh, kind of a qu- questionable play call there. 
And then uh, this list is getting long, by the way. Well, I mean, but I'm saying that these are all I controllable know. things, right? Right. right. Okay, that's that's, that's five things that I've listed so far. Mm-hmm. You could go back and say Cam on the false start early in the ball game. That would actually be six. Okay. Okay. First and goal at the six. Juwan Taylor gets a hold. Okay. The very next play, he gives up a pressure. On the, on the hold, pull your arm out of there and belly flop him. Okay, and then you don't get the penalty call. Seriously, pull your arm out. Have the arm across the chest. Okay, all you have to do is literally just do that and belly flop him. And that, you're holding your arm straight out to the side. Exactly. Yeah. That's, and that's Grady Jarrett again, by the way, who, again, I said, is a good football player. Nevin Lawson has a hold on a third and two, puts his arms around the waist of a guy, and it wasted what was a really, I mean, a really good pass rush by Taven Bryant that would have got the Jaguars off the field sooner, given them more time to be able to have a, a drive. And then at the very end of the game, you had a miscommunication, very apparent, between quarterback and wide receiver, LaVisca Chenault Jr. on a fourth and ten, that LaVisca's running a 15-yard route and the ball was thrown for a 10-yard stick route. I mean, these are things that you you got to clean up. If you're going to give yourself a chance to win, you have to clean up these things. Let's hear from the quarterback, Trevor Lawrence, about the offense, the efficiency that he actually felt at times, especially later in the game. Yeah, I thought we had some good uh, wrinkles today. Um, obviously, not the result we wanted. We wanted to come out with a win, but I think offensively we we were a lot more efficient. Number one thing is finishing drives. We gotta we gotta score more touchdowns. Um, so I say that's the, that's the main thing. But I did think we took a step as far as. Um, productivity today. I thought we did a better job. Yeah, you know, and it's it's what it is. I mean, the, the high water mark for points this year is 23, and it took a couple of 50-yard long ones in London to get to 23 points in that game. So it has been a difficult stretch here for the offense to try to get much going consistently. But, you know, in a game where they were down 21-3, they found a way to go nine plays on a touchdown drive, uh, the, the Tavon Austin touchdown. And, and by for- the way, that drive right there, JP, had three plays in a row that were, I think, fantastic. You had, you know, like, I think it was like a 21-yarder to a Shaughnessy that mm-hmm. was a really nice throw by Trevor. Uh, the, the touchdown throw to Taven Austin was a very nice throw. And then the two-point conversion to James O'Shaughnessy. I mean, you talk about three throws that were, I mean, really good. Right. I mean, I'm not saying that they're elite throws because I wouldn't consider those elite throws, but those are the kind of throws that you need to make on a consistent basis at this level if you're going to have success as a quarterback. And I thought that was really encouraging seeing those throws. And I was like, okay, here we go. Okay, you build some confidence and you got some rhythm. You feel good about where you're at. The Atlanta Falcons are not exactly a good football team. So here you here we go, right? Moving. This is going to be – We're moving. This is a comeback. Here we know, go. Comeback opportunity. Here we go. They got in the end zone, went for two to make it a 10-point game and got that. And then the next drive, they had um, – uh, Robinson had a 26-yard reception on that drive. They go 14 plays in about six and a half minutes and – Get a field goal out of and it. And that should have been a touchdown. That that goes back to the first and goal at the six where Jawan Taylor has the hold on Grady Jarrett. Mm-hmm. And then the very next play, he gives up a pressure. You know, so you go first and goal at the six, you back it up to first and goal at the 16, and then all of a sudden, then you get a pressure after that after that, that forces an incompletion. I mean, that's that's you know putting yourselves behind in the chains. And you just can't do that when you're an offense that's struggling 
to find some consistency. you got to give yourself the best chance, and penalties don't do that. And then, of course, on the final possession, turnover on downs, could not get it done. They had a couple minutes left and had a chance with the ball in their hand to drive down the field and couldn't get that done down by 7, 21-14 the final. Um, final by, by, by the way, just real quick, yeah. let, me, let me just say this, though, because you know we're talking about you, know, you get the ball back. You got the ball back because the defense eventually rose up and made some plays. Sure they did. Which I give this team credit because the defense has been able to do that in a couple games here recently. Okay, Maybe hasn't started out great. Okay, the Colts game, uh, just like this game, hasn't started out great. Yep. Okay, you got Jonathan Taylor starting out and rolling downhill against them in Indianapolis, and then you get Cordero Patterson rolling downhill against them here in this game, but the defense fought back. And, uh, and what an amazing performance by the young Tyson Campbell, and he was a big reason why they got the ball back there at the end of the game with an opportunity at tying it up. Yeah, we will uh, we'll dig into the defensive performance coming up in just a little bit. Uh, it was key, obviously, as you mentioned, though, 21-3, and then they had a three-and-out, six-play drive and a punt against him, and then uh, eight-play drive and a punt. It was forced three straight punts to give the offense an opportunity. Final offensive thought here, though. James Robinson. We touched on it briefly a moment ago. There were some key moments in the game where he was not on the field. And, you know, Urban has said this week, you know, hey, he's still a little bit, but he's not 100%. You know, he's fighting through it. Which is fine. Uh, he uh, did fumble is, in the which, game. Which is fine. Look, look, JP, I know where you're going with this because, you know, if he fumbles in a game, he's not, he's not on the field offensively for about a 16-play stretch ballpark. And, uh, look, it was the first career fumble for James Robinson. If he was not on the field because he was being punished, I don't think that's the reason why. But if that was the case, that would be ridiculous. It was his first career fumble. Mm -hmm. but, I, but I'm all for James Robinson is not healthy, and we need to make sure that we spell him and that we also rotate in Carlos Hyde. I'm all for that. But I think that there's a time and a place for when that rotation happens, and it's got to be managed well. And when I say it's got to be managed well, when this team gets to be first and goal at the six or you're down a score and you're in the, in the red zone, you've got to find a way to make sure that James Robinson is on the field. If you're at the 20 and just starting out a drive, okay, at your own 20, and you're just starting out a drive, I can understand that Carlos Hyde is in the ballgame. Yeah. Totally. Sure. Okay, but there are key moments and a key points in a ball game to where you need to have your best running back on the field, and it's not even close, even if he's not 100%. James Robinson is still the best running back on this football team. It proves it with the numbers uh, week, week in and week out. I mean, uh, 5.1 yards of carry last week. That, that catch and that he made, that 26-yarder. Big play. The, man. Big play. You know, one-handed catch makes a defender miss. He's not 100%, but he still gets up the field, and he goes up the sideline. I mean, he's, first of all, he – and I know they don't give out medals in football, and everybody <laughs> plays hurt, and everybody's tough. But James Robinson is tough, man. He's tough. Tough as nails. And he, he's, a, he's a scrapper. He's a fighter. And, uh, and I got a lot of appreciation for him because I, I know how hard it is to play hurt. And, and James Robinson is doing exactly that, and he's showing up on game day for his teammates. Plenty ahead on Jaguars Happy Hour. We will flip it to defense logs when we come back, including Tyson Campbell, who had 
a very good game. To say the least. Yes. We'll uh, break that down and maybe some of the reasons behind his improvement as the season has gone along. PRI Productions, the official event production company of the Jags, has everything you need to bring your next idea to life. Visit PRIproductions.com and it's Jaguars Happy Hour on the Jaguars Digital Network. Jaguars Happy Hour is brought to you by DreamFinders Homes, homes that fit your lifestyle. And by Baptist Health, changing healthcare for good. I don't want to be a part of it. You know what I'm saying? Like, I hate losing. Like, it's just, uh, it's just something that we have to change, man. It's something that we're going to change, man. And if not now, it's tomorrow, next week, whatever. But we all got to figure this stuff out. You know what I'm saying? Players and coaches and all, man. And we got to figure it out soon uh, because we can't, we can't keep, we can't keep, we can't keep doing this, man. And, uh, tired of it. We all are. Uh, we got LA this week, short week. Uh, we're going to go out there Friday, I think. Uh, I don't know the schedule, but typically what we do, man, is just to get off our feet, man, get our bodies back right, uh, get healthy. Damn, man, that was a big loss, man, and hopefully he gets healthy soon, man. Just pray for him and his family and uh, just stay healthy. That's Josh Allen after the game. He was mentioning Dan there. That's Dan Arnold, who's now on injured reserve for the Jaguars. Welcome back. It's Jaguars Happy Hour. J.P. Shadrick, Jeff Lagerman, Joe Fortunato, Brent Reber, glad you're along with us. We'll have the Urban Meyer Show coming up at 5 o'clock today. We'll hear from the Jaguars head coach. He'll have, uh, we'll, we'll try to get his thoughts on all these college coaching rumors, the carousel of spinning logs. Well, when you're a head coach and, uh, what is it, 199-36 and 36 record as a collegiate head coach, Urban Meyer was, I believe, with three mm-hmm. national championships, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it would make sense that his name would be bandied about. If uh, an Oklahoma or a USC or a Notre Dame didn't consider trying to contact a guy like Urban Meyer, they're crazy. So, I mean, I, I get it. I mean, I get why his name gets thrown out there because he has been one of the best head coaches in college football history. Absolutely. Plain and simple. No, ab- yes. Like the third best winning percentage of all time in college and football. And when, when a coach is struggling at the in the NFL ranks, I mean – it's just natural that his name is going to be thrown out there. It's just that's part of the deal. So we'll uh, hear from Urban coming up at 5 o'clock on the Urban Meyer Show. To the Jaguars' defense last week, you know, they had done a pretty good job this year of plugging up the run game, but the Falcons, they didn't do a lot well offensively, but that's the one thing they did well was run the football against the Jaguars. Cordero Patterson lined up in the backfield a lot and uh, looked like a natural back there, actually. Well, I think at one point after the uh, – and I wrote this down after the first four, uh, maybe even three Falcons drives, he had eight carries for 84 yards and two touchdowns. Yeah. And uh, it was actually, actually after their fourth drive, I mean, he was uh, impressive. I mean, he's a good football player. And it, it, it took everybody a while to kind of figure out exactly where his fit was going to be in the National Football League because he was obviously drafted as a wide receiver and that didn't work out. And then – Bill Belichick was the one who I think really discovered what his role should be, right? I mean, wasn't it Belichick that said, hey, look, we're gonna, not going to throw throw it to a guy that has a hard time catching it. Why don't we just give it to him, you know, or, or make th- short little throws to where he can make easier catches and then he can do what he does best, which is make people miss and yak or 
or what I call yaw, yards after handoff. That's a new term, by the <laughs> way, that I just make, came You're making up, up stats now. I like yeah, it. Yak and yaw. Yaw. Yards after handoff, I, which is I just yards, it. yards per carry. I totally get it. Thank you. That is the same thing. It is. I think. Uh, but he's a good player, and the Jaguars did – look, they weren't very good at the beginning of the ball game, and I know that you know, coaches will sometimes come out and say, you know, well, we did a really good job in the second half. Well, the, 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 the dynamics of the game changed a little bit in the second half because the Falcons felt very content to continue to try to run the ball against a fortified run defense that the Jaguars were now stacking the box because the Falcons didn't feel like the Jaguars could score enough points to threaten. So it's a little different offensive approach by the Falcons in the second half, you know, and it just like it was a little bit of a different approach by Seattle in the second half. And uh, but I give the the defense credit; they they fought back, even though that's the the terms of the game. Uh, they were able to do that, and I thought a couple guys really stood out performance wise. I thought Taven Bryan played exceptionally well. Exceptionally well. I thought he played really well. How so? Just he did a really good job of getting off of blocks, being physical, some real good finishing hits on guys. The uh, uh, the the penalty that was called on Nevin Loss and Taven Bryant had a great rush. The defensive holding you're talking about? Well, he got a defensive holding call. I think it was against him. Yeah, oh, the, yeah, the defense called it on Nevin Lawson, Lawson. Exactly. Yeah, Taven yeah, yeah, Bryant yeah. had a great pass That's rush right. on that. That was he, late in the game. Yeah. He was the reason why that that was going to be incomplete and they right. were going to get off the field. But it was negated because of the hold on Lawson, which was a penalty that shouldn't he shouldn't have did what he did. Kind of grabbed him by the hips, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and went around the waist yeah. as he's trying to run yeah. away. I mean, kind of clear. <laughs> Can't do that. Uh, and then, of course, Tyson Campbell. The uh, the the play that he made the interception on. We're actually going to draw this up for Jaguars All Access. Okay. Thursday night, Fox 30, me and Brent Martineau, yes. six, uh, 7 o'clock. Awesome. Ashlyn Sullivan. Don't miss it. Check it out, JP. I do, all the time. We're going to take the interception to the football lab and draw it up. The show football people how lab. Yeah. Yes. And the reason why it was I like a, the football lab. The reason why it was a really cool play for a, for a young player to make, cover two has what we call soft spots, and, and a soft spot sits between a safety and a corner. You know, because the safety has to cover, you know, 50% of the deep part of the field. Mm -hmm. And then the corner has to be able to play short, his short route. But he also, you know, because the safety could get stressed and he's covering a big area, sometimes that outside intermediate area is what we call the soft spot. Mm -hmm. And Tyson did a really good job of jamming the wide receiver. And then because he jammed the wide receiver, he can get his eyes back to the quarterback, Matt Ryan. He sees Matt Ryan loading up to throw it to um, the, the talented rookie tight end Pitts, mm -hmm. who is running the little route into that soft spot, and he breaks on it. And first of all, Tyson Campbell is legit fast now. I mean, he's legit fast. Sure he is. And how he breaks on that ball and the, the ground that he covers, tremendous, uh, great interception by him. But he also had a couple other pass defense, and he had two plays on consecutive plays, like a second and ten. He ends up having a pass defense, and then on third down, he makes that play where he's a deep third safety. He covers his guy, it's thrown underneath, and he comes up like a missile and absolutely knifes the legs out of the wide receiver underneath, makes a nice play. So, I mean, he had a, a, a fantastic game. Credit to him. Yeah, and then, you know, earlier in the season, there were moments where – Oh, hey, he loses the ball in the air. There's catches made on him. And it's like, you know, what's going to happen with, 
with him? Can he get can he get better with this? Like, what's the, the situation? And then he got dinged up a little bit, logs like, and then now he's come back off the injury. He's playing the ball a little better. I mean, that's improvement as the season goes along. It's great well, to and see. He, and he's not he's not one hundred percent. I mean, he's got a shoulder. That's right. So I mean, he's he's still playing with injury. Right. You know, he had the sure. injury earlier on, which was what was it a an ankle or something of that nature. It, it was yeah, it was a lower body way. injury, and mm-hmm. I don't remember exactly what it was. But then he fought, fell on his shoulder, and uh, and then he fights back. You know, he's playing with that. So uh, I give him credit. He's he's a tough guy, and uh, and he's a student. He learns, I, and I, that's what I love about him. I mean, I called him earlier the shadow, and I think also what's helped him a little bit is that this defense has transitioned a little bit, and that it went from a defense that was trying to play a ton of man. To where now they're playing a little bit of a little bit more of zone, and I think that's helped him a little bit too because he now can keep his eyes back towards the quarterback a little bit, and uh, and he's got a great skill set. He's got great closing speed, and like I said, he's legit fast, and yeah. that makes all the difference in the world. And just talking to him after the game, we had him on post game on radio on Sunday. Obviously, he has a fantastic mindset for the game. Grew up around the game. Um, played for that fantastic program down at American Heritage under the Sertans. You know, was, there was Sertan the second, who's now in the league also. But yeah, who, Patrick by the way, Sertan I think he had the, like two picks this weekend, right? Yes, good day at the, the office Denver Broncos, for him. young corner. So they were all together. Like that's where he kind of came up and made his bones. And uh, so he totally understands the mindset of what it takes to power through and play through and there, play is hurt. There, for is his there team. any more of them coming up where we can know, we can get probably, an, another one of those guys? <laughs> you might want to go down on any five and check it out. I guarantee you, know? you that Joe Cullen would be in a car in a minute if he could go scout a guy right now. I think so. Um, so there you have it. Uh, let's come back. Hey, we're going to look ahead logs to the Los Angeles Rams, the Super Team. Yeah, we got a chance to see them Sunday afternoon. Uh, or was it Sunday night that they played? Uh, it was the Sunday night game or the Sunday afternoon game. They played the Green Bay Packers, who got to watch them. Mm-hmm. That was awesome. Yeah. Uh, and I can tell you, I would not want to be an offensive guard this week. Oh, uh, boy. Because Aaron Donald <laughs> looks like that he can go for a chokehold uh, in a matter of seconds. We will uh, delve into all that when we return. Of course, check out the official Jags Podcast Network. It's free on Apple, iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you download your pods. And this is Jaguars Happy Hour on the Jaguars Digital Network. The Jaguars Happy Hour is brought to you by TIAA Bank. Turn potential into progress. And by Publix where shopping is a pleasure. Welcome back. It's Jaguars Happy Hour on a Tuesday afternoon. J.P. Shadrick, Jeff Lagerman, and the Jaguars Game Day Radio Broadcaster brought to you by Vistar Credit Union. Do good, bank better. Well, the Jaguars will have a game day at SoFi Stadium in Los Angeles this coming Sunday. It's a 4.05 Eastern time kickoff. We'll go on the air at 1 o'clock with the Publix tailgate show ahead of that game in week 13. 4.05 kick. It was flexed and changed, actually. It was going to be 4.25. They changed the the time and they changed the network. It's on Fox this week again. Uh, All right, so the Rams, after they built this super team, they got in Von Miller and they brought in Odell Beckham. Well, they haven't won a game since then. They've lost three in a row in Los Angeles. Yeah, kind of surprising. And a lot of it has to do with turnovers on offense. Uh, Matthew Stafford, 
uh, you know, looking at their giveaways for the season, 14 of those. But Stafford, over the last three weeks, has five interceptions off of him. Well, that's been a, a big part of it. But, uh, you know, look, Sean McVay's offense, if you look at the one key number that I would focus in on right there is rushing offense, and that's 24th, 95 yards per game. Yeah. And that, I think, is you know, the Sean McVay offenses in the past that have been really good. Think of Todd Gurley, play action, and Jared Goff being really good with that play action, throwing the ball down the field, and they haven't had that. So it's put more pressure on Matt Stafford, and Matt Stafford has been really good now uh, in its entirety. I mean, there's been a lot of pressure on him, but his Green Bay game was, uh, I thought, pretty good. But he doesn't look completely healthy. But, you know, there's a lot of pressure on him. Uh, he, he is essentially a lot of pressure on being the offense. He's fourth <laughs> in rating. He's fourth in yards per attempt. Sure. He's, uh, his completion percentage is 16th, but his attempts are seventh in the league. That means he's throwing the ball a ton. And that's a lot to ask of a quarterback. And, uh, and they had – how many injuries did they have at the running back position before they even got started? Yeah. With the season, yeah, they've had some things go on over there on, in the uh, health world, but um, yeah, the, the running back has been a big yeah. health concern for them. That's right, right at the onset of the season, and Odell Beckham Jr. has been a non-factor. He had a touchdown last week. Yeah, but it was—I mean, overall, I mean, he had a touchdown, right? And then he got—he got dinged, uh. and and all of a sudden he's got this back thing going on against Green Bay. And he's got a heat pad on it, and you can see he's trying to wear the heat pad. And then after the heat pad, kind of, then he's taking it off to run out and be the third wide receiver on the field. And look, it, it takes time. As we're seeing here in Jacksonville, it takes time for quarterbacks and wide receivers to develop some chemistry. And just because Odell Beckham has been great in the past, I mean, the reality is he's been great in the past. And when's the last time he was great? It's been a while. Yeah, I mean, his last thousand yard season was 2019. That's it's a little while ago. Got to get back. And he's coming back from an ACL reconstruction. Mm-hmm. So that's right. It's a it's a it's a work in progress. And they lost uh, what was the wide receiver that they had? Um, uh, Robert Woods. Robert Woods, who great player, really good wide receiver. Yeah. But the main guy is Cooper Cup, who, by the way, is first in reception, Everything. first in yards, tied for first in touchdowns. Everything, all of the above. Yeah, they, they throw he, it to like fifteen times a game. Like it's it's crazy why? because he's why not? It's not like good. down the field either. It's kind of no. short, and he makes plays, and there he goes. Yeah, he's a he's a good football player from the football powerhouse of Eastern Washington. Of course, <laughs> the crazy thing is, is that when he rolled in as a rookie, he was good. I mean, he was good right out of the out of the, out of the gate. So. He is a guy that you definitely have to contend with, and he is the main focal point of their passing attack. And uh, hopefully, the Jaguars can find a way to negate some of his some of his great plays that he makes. That would be uh, that ain't easy. Though. Ideal, no, that would be ideal though. It's going to be a tough one though with all those uh, other guys around him. Now, it's a weird organization, too, JP. <laughs> okay. When I when I say weird, I mean they've they essentially have traded away. Oh, they don't have any draft picks left. I mean, almost. I less, don't say less need the GMs all, like I don't need these picks. All, all high draft picks, they literally they don't put a lot of value on them. And this team has been the beneficiary of one of the trades with Jalen Ramsey, and things haven't exactly worked out great in that department yet for this team. Hopefully, it will. But uh, right now, I would say that the Rams have gotten a better end of that deal. But then again, they've had to pay Jalen Ramsey a ton of money. Well, think about this, right? So uh, they had to build a brand new stadium, $5 billion, right? SoFi Stadium. 
Five billion. Five billion dollars, okay. right? Um, in L.A., that marketplace, just hearing people talk about it who have been out there, have covered the league there and other sports there, you better have some flash and pizzazz about you. That's that kind of town. Oh, yeah. Um, you better have some superstar power on your team well, or like you will Lakers. be lost in the shuffle. Yeah, you won't LA. get attendance. Right. So they're trying to do that. And, oh, by the way, I don't think they'd love anything more than to host a Super Bowl at their own place while they're playing in it, like uh, the Bucks did last are, year. Well, yeah. Well, this is why it's all That's in. where the Super Bowl is going to be at, is yes. SoFi Stadium this coming winter. So have all that together. Get the biggest superstar base you can. Put it all into this year or next, and then, okay, that's where they are right now. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of things going on with the L.A. franchise, and, and they all just don't pertain to what's happening on the field. That's right. Because you just had this settlement, <laughs> settlement with that happened St. with Louis. the St. Louis, the city of St. Louis and, and their people because of the relocation of the Rams and Stan Kroenke and, and uh, liability, et cetera. And I think the award was $790 million. And so now the question is, does Stan Kroenke, the Rams owner, does he foot the entire bill? There was a report by the New York Times today that he would. Or would – all the other owners have to share in that. Uh, yeah, I was. I was. Oh, no, that's gonna go. JP on Sunday. <laughs> I was just sitting there before the game, and you know, you watch the warmups and such, and then on the field, you see Arthur Blank and Shad Khan talking, and I think they sit together on the finance committee, or one, one of the of, committees. Well, yes, yes. And I was going, I bet you they might be talking. <laughs> About this $790 million It's going to come up in conversation, settlement. I believe. I mean, yeah. I mean, you think? Yeah. <laughs> Priority <laughs> hey, look, number one. Hey, Arthur. Yeah. You know, we're not going to, I mean, we're not going to pay any of this money. This has got to be all on stand. I mean, Ooh. he was the one that decided to take the team and move it to L.A., so, you know. <laughs> yeah. That's one of those that's um, – it sounds like it's starting to wind down, which that, I think is a good thing for the that league. That conversation is out of my ballpark, I can tell Me you Me too. Well, we can talk defense, and this is a defense to talk about. And you start with Aaron Donald up front. They are stout on the defensive line. They've got outside linebackers who can rush the passer. Rush the passer. They take the ball away a little bit, 12 interceptions for the year. They've got uh, back-end safeties are really good. Jalen Ramsey's there. You'll hear him before you see him. And then when you see him, he is a first-team all-pro caliber player. Was last season and having a pretty good year again this year. Are they really that good, though? No. I mean, I mean, look at the numbers. No, they give up points. I mean, they, they're giving up points, which is the most important number, 21st. And with you, when you would have what many would view as a star-studded cast with Aaron Donald and Von Miller and Jalen Ramsey – you would think top five, right? I mean, top five come to mind? Should be, with all those guys, right? And they're not there. Uh, could they be there? Maybe. Could they find some chemistry and gel here down the stretch? Maybe. But right now, it's not like they're unbeatable. And here, here's their kryptonite. I think the, the entire, for the entire team, physicalness. If you go into L.A. and you play good old-fashioned smash-mouth football, you can beat this team. 
I mean, seriously. I mean, you can beat this team if you get physical and play smash mouth. Football. It might be the, that's San Francisco to a T. That's why they always kind of play them pretty well, the 49ers. Right? San Francisco did it. Yeah. Uh, the Green Bay Packers, a little bit more on the arm of Aaron Rodgers, but they were physical. They were physical. I mean, look, Aaron Donald starts choking people. <laughs> that means He's you got mad. Him. You got him. He's getting mad, yeah, right? That means you're beating him. Yeah. Yeah. So go in there, be physical. Shocked the world. You did it against the Bills. Beat them 9-6. to six. Are you going to be able to hold the Rams to, to nine points? I don't know about that. But, you know, look, you can beat teams when you out-physical teams. And that's got to be the mindset of this football team when they go to L.A. Aaron Donald is a multiple NFL Defensive Player of the Year that's winner. A, that's a whole segment of conversation worth. I mean, so really. It really is. I mean, the, the guy's won it three times, 17, 18, and 20, six-time first-team All-Pro. I mean, he's I mean, already building a case for Canton, still relatively early in his career. And uh, it starts there. You have to get a bunch of different guys around him, plan for him all day long, and he can move around. He has the flexibility to do that. Well, he, he's a three technique for the most part, and he can play on either side, and he can also line up and play defensive end, but that's not where his strength is. He is literally – he's like a Tasmanian devil. You know, the, the old – Looney Tunes. Yes, yeah. exactly. It's exactly what he is <laughs> like. And he gets going, and he's just he's unstoppable. He, he's only 6'1"-ish. 280 pounds, but he's, I mean, absolutely sculpted 280 pounds, super strong. He's got speed, quickness, power, everything you can ask. He's a smart player. He, he sets things up. He baits players. He is by far the most disruptive defender in the National Football League. Number one, I don't think anybody else is in his category. You know, back in the day you had – a Reggie White and a Bruce Smith, and they're kind of the conversation who was more disruptive. There's no, I don't think there's any conversation that this guy is number one on the list. I mean, even J.J. Watt, when Watt was in his prime, uh, well, I would say was close to the Miles right? Garrett would probably be okay. the only one that would be, and then that, that would probably be a good argument. But Miles Garrett and Aaron Donald right now are the two most disruptive defenders in the National Football League. Yeah. And when you watch how teams essentially prepare or what they do to face Aaron Donald. They slide the protection over there, and everybody that maybe have that has an extra second or an extra arm, it's always leaning towards Aaron Donald. He's that good. And with Von Miller there, yeah. I, I'm going to tell you honestly what I'm seeing. I'm not seeing the Von Miller of old. Well, he even, has moments. Even that, right? You got him on one side, Leonard Floyd's on the other side at outside linebacker. You don't want to be in third and eight against these guys with no. those two out there, no matter the level where they may or may not be right Well, now. Come, a lot of people say, well, you can put them on the same side, and, boy, they become really a force then. Well, it's actually you want them on opposite sides because then you're, most teams will say, if we got Aaron Donald on one side and Von Miller on the other we're going to slide the protection to Aaron Donald, put the center over there to help out. And then you could always maybe have a back chip on Von Miller if need be. But, again, like I said, Von Miller is not the Von Miller of old. I mean, he's still a very good player, and at times he, he can be dominant. But he's not Aaron Donald where every play he is dominant because that's what Aaron, Aaron Donald is right now. And, and this past game, Grady Jarrett gave fits to the Jaguars' defense. Fits. He had uh, he beat uh, Cam Robinson one time on an inside play that was the result of the cause fumble. 
on James Robinson on a little combo block with uh, with Norwell. Norwell had to come off to go to the linebacker. And Grady Jarrett, or what that one, Grady Jarrett was one of the other defensive tackles. That was uh, 94. But Grady Jarrett gave, a, gave fits to Barch in the ball game. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the, uh, uh, the Hail Mary pass, that was Grady Jarrett. He makes Barch miss, gets in the backfield, and Trevor is running for his life, can't even throw the ball down the field. So if you're the, the Rams, after what you saw the, the Falcons do with Grady Jarrett on Ben Barch, when you have the opportunity to choose which side Aaron Donald goes, my guess is he will go over to Ben Barch. All right. Strap up. So get ready. Ben Barch is gonna have a he's got a great test this week, and then he'll have help. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure he will. Linder will be going his way if, need if Aaron Donald is over there, and that's how that's life of Aaron Donald. Aaron Donald, I would love to know how many single blocks Aaron Donald has gotten this year. Oh, I bet. I guarantee it ain't many. Uh, yeah, probably on one hand you can count those. Not many. Uh, we'll come back. We'll look at the AFC South standings. Probably know how that's going, though, already. If you're looking for the MVP of the truck game, then look no further than Ford F-150. Loaded with impressive capability and designed to dominate work, play, and everything in between, this truck makes tough look easy. No wonder it's the official truck of the NFL and proud partner of your Jacksonville Jaguars. Coming up at 5 o'clock, the Urban Meyer Show on the Jaguars Radio Network will ask Urban about his name being rumored to some of these college coaching openings. That's coming up in just a few minutes. And this is Jaguars Happy Hour on the Jaguars Digital Network. Welcome back. It's Jaguars Happy Hour on a Tuesday afternoon. We're a little over eight minutes away from the Urban Meyer Show on the Jaguars Radio Network and here on 1010XL. We'll hear from, you guessed it, head coach Urban Meyer. He'll join us, as he always does, and we'll get his thoughts. We'll ask him about those college coaching openings and his name all over Twitter rumors. And do they still have message boards? I bet you they're on there, too. Those, that was a thing, like, in the early 2000s. You're asking me? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah maybe you're the wrong person to ask. Uh, but his name's maybe. been bandied about and thrown around by a lot of folks. We'll uh, see what he has to say about uh, those rumors. But, um, you know, here we are. Two and nine. The Jaguars this week headed to Los Angeles. Veterans... Choose VA for the benefits you've earned. Visit choose.va.gov. Let's take a look at the Baptist Health Injury Report. Baptist Health changing health care for good. And Jay Tufele is on the injured reserve list designated for return. That was as of last week, so the clock is uh, well underway for him. Dan Arnold placed on injured reserve today, and he joins Jamal Agnew, A.J. Can, D.J. Chark, and uh, who actually Chark today had a Instagram video in the uh, the treadmill uh, tub that's in the training room in there. So that's a good sign. At yeah, least. well, he was in a, a walking boot yeah. on game day. That's good. So, All I right. mean, that's just progress. Around, I moving mean, around. Progress of injured reserve with Dan Arnold. That hurts. Yes, it does. Uh, you know, when you look at a catch percentage, every quarterback needs to have somebody that's reliable, that's an easy target, what we call like a security blanket. And more times than not, that position is either a running back or it's a tight end. And for Trevor Lawrence, Dan Arnold has been the second highest catch percentage target that that Trevor's had. Number one is James Robinson. Running backs are mostly right at the top. 
because it's an easy completion of maybe like a dump off for the quarterback or whatever. But losing Dan Arnold, that's a that's one of your one of your guys. You know that high catch percentage guys that you lose, and that makes it more difficult. Now, does it help having James O'Shaughnessy back? It helps, but James O'Shaughnessy is not Dan Arnold. Yeah, Arnold stepped in and uh, right away and became. Uh, the 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 guy that he leaned on obviously on offense so he's done which is unfortunate and uh, not done for the year officially but the the yeah. timetable is like you know four to six weeks it so depends we I mean typically like on a on a mild MCL tear one to two yeah. on a like a medium grade two to four and then for you know pretty severe when it can be four to six you know so I mean he has a chance coming back yeah at, at, you know but then again you know towards the end of the season what's the record do you want to fight back and do it you know that that all can come into play well, well. I mean you're fo- you're a football player and you get paid to play true so I mean I don't think uh, a lot of people would say well does that come into it if if there's a risk of a further injury or that he's not 100% healthy, then the answer would be you don't play him. If you're 100%. If you're 100% and you're ready to go, then, then, then you go. That's just part of, part of the game. Now, if he's, you know, if he's 90% and you're not going to the, or not 85%, you're not going to the playoffs, then you say, okay, well, you know, we're not going to the playoffs, so should we risk it when he's not 100%? No. But if he's 100% before the end of the year, then he should play. AFC South standings through week 12. The entire division lost on Sunday. Uh, so Tennessee now 8-4. and four. Indy 6-6, six and six, cannot gain ground. They blew the game against Tampa. Houston 2-9, and nine, and the Jaguars 2-9 and nine at the bottom. The, uh, the Colts had a chance to gain some ground, but Leonard Fournette got him and scored four total touchdowns in that game for Tampa. I wonder who Bay. had him in fantasy. I don't know, man. I don't know. And it wasn't me. I it was that. me. Oh, great job. <laughs> Way to go. Tennessee, well, though. Pre-game. Uh, that's JP, real nice. If JP, that's if good. you had Leonard Fournette, you would be saying, Leonard Fournette, See, Leonard Fournette, Leonard I would, Fournette. Well, I would I would move forward to Sunday when we do that segment again. That's what I would do. No, you yeah. wouldn't. Oh, <laughs> no, totally. you I'd would keep not. keep my cards you, close to the you vest. You would be bragging about it already with me. I'm not showing off my hand to anybody. No, no. I'm right here close to the vest. <laughs> I don't, I don't brag or gloat or anything like that. Sure, do JP. That. I, I certainly don't. JP doesn't brag or gloat or anything. No, none of the, yeah. none of the above. It none just, it got really deep in here. It did. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it did. And not from like a '60s deep perspective either. No, not we're not. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Urban Meyer show's coming up. That's it. Uh, about four minutes from now. Yeah. Looking forward to hearing from the coach. I mean, this is, you know, they've lost three in a row now, and the offense still can't get in the end zone too much. The defense had some early struggles last week, and but then gave them an opportunity late to at least try to claw back in the game too little too late. And now with six games to go and a tough couple of road trips coming up, L.A. this week, Tennessee next, uh, they're up against it here. Well, you got to worry about this game and this game first, and you worry about the last game and trying to correct the, the mistakes that you had in that last game and move forward. I, I don't, you know, look, the reality is there's not going to be a whole lot of different answers. I mean, you just, you keep going to work and you also try to, to improve in every area that you can. And right now there's, there's not, there's not time to institute major change. There's just not, it's just that you're in season and you try to, to grind it out and, and get better and be a little bit more creative and, Try to catch a, a team a little bit off balance here and there to where maybe you can start to find a little bit of a rhythm offensively. But I do know this. The, the, this season, it, it, at the very beginning, it was about Trevor Lawrence. And it still remains about Trevor Lawrence and Trevor Lawrence getting better. 
there's so many good things that I see from him, but the reality is is that you want to start to see the progression and performance here at the end of the season. And this game this weekend will be the first one in December. And we always talk about you want the team to play their best football in December. Okay, well, it's December. Here we go. This team needs to play better. Needs to play better. It's a tough task this week. It's a L.A. Rams team that's lost three in a row, and they need to stay in the – playoff chase in the nfc they have this superstar team and this massive stadium and all this pressure and hype and everything that goes with it and they've lost three in a row and you know they're going to be up for it oh yeah yeah they'll be ready i mean make no mistake about it they 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 think that that's that's where i think you got a little bit of an advantage the the rams are are angry they think that they're they probably think that they're going to be able to handle this jaguars football team no problem just like probably how the bills came down to Jacksonville thinking, oh, yeah, this is, a, this is a win. Well, it wasn't a win. Jaguars traveling, oh, they got to come all the way across the country to play us. So, you know, we can handle this football team. Okay. Well, it's time to hit them in the mouth, play a little smash mouth. Carlos Hyde, James Robinson, more of James Robinson, by the way, especially <laughs> at critical moments than Carlos it. Hyde. Yeah, I should have <laughs> said James Robinson first. I don't want to – I don't want to get changing the depth chart. Yeah, James Robinson first, and then Carlos Hyde, and then more James Robinson. Is it strange that I'm kind of looking forward to what Jalen has to say tomorrow, or is that just crazy of me? I think it's crazy in you. Yeah, if if, if you actually think that whatever Jalen has to say is of any kind of importance, yeah, I think that's pretty crazy. Jalen can be out in space sometimes with some of the things that he says. And sometimes he can be very thoughtful and, uh, and reflective and intelligent. And, and sometimes what he says is right on the money. But most times when it comes to this team, eh, I'm not going to listen to it. Well, him. let's just hope his back's feeling fine this week. Um, the Urban Meyer Show is coming up. We'll hear from the Jaguars head coach. That'll do it for Jaguars Happy Hour on this Tuesday afternoon on the Jaguars Digital Network.